The word of the Lord says, And one of the scribes came up and heard the disputing one with another, and seeing that he answered them well, he asked Jesus, he said, Which commandment is the most important of all? And Jesus answered and said, The most important is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, He is one. The Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. And the second one is like this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And there is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and there is no other besides him. And to love him with all of your heart, with all of your understanding, with all of your strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. And Jesus saw that he answered and he said wisely, he said, you had answered wisely, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him and any more questions, and you may be seated. You know, I cannot think of a, a clearer introduction for this collection of Scripture for today than to hear how the Lord is using His church to worship Him and to love others by the work of their hands. And it's amazing how God works things out for His glory and for His purpose. Naturally, I have a preaching schedule, as you may or may not know, and on this preaching schedule for today, before we even knew that today was going to be Baptist on Mission Sunday, was Mark 12, 28 through 34, which the highlight of these verses is the completion of the law itself to love the Lord your God with your whole being and then to love others as yourself. It's Amazing how God works this out for His glory. So, I say that to say we should be paying close attention at this point. Because God is speaking something to us today. Again, thank you, Mark, for challenging the church and for motivating us to move out of our comfort zone and to serve. And hopefully folks that are watching today, and maybe there might be a, a person from another church who might be watching this morning, and I hope and pray that that was a challenge to them for people to rise up and to love their neighbor and to serve in the name of Jesus, to move out of their comfort zone and to serve King Jesus with all their might. But in today's examination of Scripture, it deals with the commandments of the Lord as a whole. And one might be in peace with God. I want to find peace with God and I want to find peace with those around me. How about you? Shalom with those around me as I love and worship God with all of my heart, mind, soul, body, and eyes. I love Him to that degree. The Lord wants us to be at peace with one another, especially in eyesight of the world around us that is ready to discredit Christ's church. The world is watching you. The world is watching us. It is watching how we function around one another. 
It is watching to see how we fellowship one with another. I was reminded of this as there are certain media outlets that had broadcasted coverage of the Southern Baptist Convention of this year and were just itching and waiting for the convention to split over certain things, and it didn't happen. So we're thankful for that. The world is watching and waiting to see something that might discredit the church of the living God. The world and the enemies of Christ are ready and they are willing to sink their teeth into a divided and distorted people. So we must be at peace with one another. Then on the other hand, there are those people who are hungry with a desire to know and to see authenticity. There are people in the world who are watching you because they are hungry to see something authentic. They are listening intently to know that you are saying uh, or you are proclaiming something that is genuine. And people are not going to follow if they don't see that there is some authenticity to the message. Because if I love God and if I am worshiping God with all of my being, then I'm going to love my neighbor as myself. And so we are demonstrating peace or we are demonstrating division to a watching and waiting world. Last week we noticed the word that the Lord Jesus was confronted by the Sadducees who did not believe in angels or demons or in the resurrection of the dead. And they challenged Jesus with something I consider to be a predicament or a conundrum. They tried to trap Jesus in this enigma, puzzle, whatever you want to call it. And according to the Mosaic law, if the husband was to die, leaving his wife behind, the brother is to marry the wife and then to procreate and to ensure that the family would have a lineage, to ensure the family posterity. But what happens when all the brothers die and there's no offspring to bear? Well, who will be the husband in heaven? Well, Jesus says this, Is this not the reason that you are wrong? Because you neither know the Scripture nor the power of God. And I said that in some congregations today, in our lives even, that that is the charge laid at our feet, that we do not know the Word of God as we should, and so there is biblical illiteracy, and we doubt the power of God. If we pray that God is going to save our friends and our neighbors, why, when God does it, do we act surprised? And when we pray for revival, and the Lord stokes the fires of revival, and we say, whoa, we didn't expect that. When one gets to heaven, all family members who die in Christ become one family under his name and under his power. For they neither marry nor given in, in marriage. They are like the angels. And it appears as if the religious order had, had come out of the woodwork to challenge Jesus. And that happens today. People will come all from all around and try to challenge the authority of God's word. And so today's episode, the scribes join in. We notice something a little different about this scribe. It seems like he comes closer to the truth of Jesus than his peers. And so the sermon for today is entitled The Lynchpin. The Lynchpin. I submit to you that these verses today holds for the church. It holds it on the course towards kingdom work. Now, what is a lynchpin? Now, you can spell this in two different ways. Today I've chosen the way to spell it with the L-Y-N-C-H-I-N. And there are two alternative spellings for this, and I get it, but the meaning is the same. A linchpin is something that can be described as a person or thing that is vital to an enterprise or an organization. 
And I submit to you that that definition is a little bit slanted because the church of the living God is more than just an enterprise. It is more than just an organization. It is a movement. And a movement keeps moving, right? It is more than just a stale enterprise or organization. The church of the living God is marching on triumphantly this day under the name and banner of the Lord Jesus Christ and by His power. Do you believe that? Like when one says, Grandma is the glue that holds this family together. She's the linchpin that holds the family together. Or a family member is the one who held the family together. One person. Webster's Dictionary says this, one that serves to hold together parts of, or elements that exist or functions as a unit. In terms of the law or commandments, the linchpin that we see here today is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all that you have within you, and then to love your neighbor as yourself. And as we dive uh, into this word, we cannot truly do either of, of those things without the Holy Spirit of God leading. Seems to be a no-brainer, doesn't it? I can't love God unless He do a work in my life. I can't love my neighbor as myself unless God do a work in my life. The scribes were those who knew the Torah, they knew the law, they knew it to a T. And the reason they knew the law, the reason they knew the theology therein, well, it's because they're the ones that wrote it down over and over and over and over again. And this particular scribe, he has approached Jesus while the Sadducees were debating, and he asked Jesus what he would consider to be uh, the most important. And I would say to you that I think that this is an honest question coming from this scribe, and it is not meant to derail the Lord Jesus. What is the most important commandment of all? And in short, Jesus answers all of them. In fact, from the outside looking in, what the Lord Jesus spoke resonates with the, law, the young lawyer, the teacher of the law, who was hungry for more instruction. I have found when I dive in God's Word, asking Him to speak to me, I find myself sometimes coming away more hungry than when I embarked upon them. And so I submit to you, the more that you read, the more that you study about God, the more you study about His nature, the closer you get to God, the more hungry you come to want Him. I have met many people like that. The more they learn from the Lord, the more they want to consume. The closer they get to Jesus, the hungrier they get to Him, the more they want. Then Jesus speaks something that every young Jewish boy would have been taught, something called the Shema. The Shema would be the Hebrew word for hear, taken from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 through 5. It reads this, it says, Hear, O Shema, hear, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord with all of your heart, all of your soul, and with all of your might. And I love what Jesus says to the people. He says, we are to love the Lord with our whole being. Uh, this, of course, implies that we are not giving the Lord the scraps of our day. This implies we are not giving the Lord the leftovers of the day. Lord, I have worked a long day today. I'm going to give you the last three minutes of it in a little time of prayer. The Lord wants your whole life. Live your whole life unto Christ. Jesus will not play second fiddle to your idols. 
Like the song says, Jesus, take all of me. As Mark gave the challenge this morning, how's the Lord working in you to serve him? We likewise would say, Jesus, take all of me and use me in that way. I remember times in my life when I was running from the calling that, that the Lord had on my life. I, I ran from Him, and I could tell you I was miserable every step of the way. Now, I'm not talking about running from salvation. I'm talking about running from the call that the Lord had on my life. And I was miserable almost every step of the way. John Wesley stated this on this thought, to say with all of my might and what that might mean. He said, that is the whole strength, the capacity, the understanding, the will, and my affections. It all belongs to you. With all of my strength, I give, I give my understanding. I want to know more. My will, uh, I ask you, Lord, to, to, uh, to look over my will and to, and to ensure that my will is your will. And my affections, Lord, are solely uh, wrapped on you. And so, everything. As you love the Lord with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your, all of your being, you will naturally, and I would say supernaturally, love your neighbor as yourself. And so the question for us is, well, who is your neighbor? Not just somebody who lives next door to you. The short of it is, everybody you meet, or even those that you have not met. Taken from Leviticus 19, verse 18, you are to love those around you. And for the Hebrew, it would have been the Gentile. Imagine somebody saying to you, you've got to love the person that is unclean. You've got to love the person who does not think the way that you think. Who do not, does not see eye to eye the way that you might see things. You are to love that person as yourself. And just so that I'm clear, one cannot love others like that, like themselves, unless God enables you to do that. God does a work in your life. I can love my neighbor as myself. You cannot love your neighbor with that type of selfless love unless God does a work in you first. You can't go into a home and rebuild a home unless God is doing a work in your life and do so selflessly. I want that type of selfless love to be exhibited in my life. To a Hebrew, it would be that you were to love the Gentile like you would your own family. And this is a, a radical way of thinking. Somebody right now that you can think of, right now. Now, I know our minds ought to be occupied on Jesus. But if you think of somebody right now, right in your mind right now, who is unlovable, the Lord would say you love them. It's a radical and different way of thinking from the scribes and Pharisees and Sadducees and even culture today. So different from what they had been taught. The scribe says, you are right, teacher. God is to be worshipped and loved wholeheartedly. And, and I am to love my neighbor. I know that. To worship God and to love one another is so much more powerful than the burnt sacrifices that are performed out of obligation. To love my neighbor as myself is so much bigger than my church attendance. It is so much bigger than my, than my tithe. It is so much bigger than the things that I might do in part of ministry Although ministry is important, sometimes we even get that mixed up. Sometimes ministry becomes an idol. We begin to serve the ministries rather than Jesus. So he says that this way of thinking is so much more powerful than sacrifice and 
that is brought out of obligation and emptiness. And then he says in closing, Jesus saw that he answered wisely and he said to him, you are not far off from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Now we know Jesus is marching on his way to Calvary. He has answered many, many dilemmas and many puzzles and questions that these religious leaders had asked him. And he'll begin to, he'll, he will begin to warn his teaching, his, uh, his disciples against scribes and those who would mean ill towards the kingdom. These words are so lovely. The words of Jesus here are so lovely, spoken by our Lord. Even in our fallenness, even in our short-sightedness, even in all of our flaws, the Lord still uses us, and I'm glad for that. We fail so many times on many different things. Now, there might be some in here today who are not far off from coming to saving faith in Jesus. You may have spent your whole life playing church, just simply attending, putting on the facade of a worshiper or an attendee. And now the Lord is calling you today. To, he's calling you forward to love Him, submit to Him, admit you are a sinner, worship Him then with all that you have. And then to love the unlovable. I'm reminded very quickly that I would be the unlovable. The unlovable sinner that Christ loved. I remember my running years so vividly that I realized that God was patiently waiting and He is supremely long-suffering. But I also have to submit to you that there is coming a day when this life will end. And you will stand before Christ. That is an inescapable moment in a person's life. That you will stand before Christ. And he will either say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Or he will say, depart from me. I believe that this scribe or lawyer represents a hunger to know God's will. And to know the word more. And to know it more. And to represent God more. He represents the person that is here today who knows that they need to get in the Word more. They know they need to submit to the Lordship of Christ. And that might be you today. Some of us here need to ask the Lord to help us love our neighbor again. We might need to say, Lord, help me forgive that person that I have held a grudge against for years. Help me, Lord, forgive. And to love my neighbor as I should once again. I will tell you that these men and women here today with these yellow shirts on that we see, they will be the first to tell you that they are not perfect. And I don't want to imagine they claim to be. Nobody in here hopefully claims to be a perfect Christ follower. I believe that these men and women serve the Lord through the Baptist on mission because they want to follow in obedience. Plus, it has helped to see a visible and tangible work of the Lord on many occasions. And I would imagine if I was to call on any number of folks in here today to say and to demonstrate how the Lord might have showed up on job site, you would be able to tell at least one or two stories there. 
I would say this, if you want to see that God is alive, if you want to see that God is working, you want to see that God is active and that He is at work in His church, go with these people and, and see it. Where are you at today? Would you be the one today who does not know the Lord and you need to cry out to Him as a sinner, Lord, forgive me of my sins? And maybe you're here today and you might say, Lord, teach me to love my neighbor as myself once again. Once again. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you. This time in your word, this time to reflect on this ministry, but to honor Jesus. Lord, there isn't a single person in here, Lord, who, who boasts in themselves, boasts in what they are doing. Nobody in here, Lord, that I am aware of, Lord, will, will say what a great job that they are doing in themselves, Lord, but it is you. In fact, if that was the motive, if that was the underpinning of, of work in New Bern and abroad, Lord, it, wouldn't, it would not prosper. Lord, it is because of humility and knowing that this ministry is in your hands and nobody is boasting of the number of houses, Lord, that has been put under our belt. We're not doing that, Lord. We're giving you the glory. Lord, maybe you're leading us today to serve. Maybe you're leading us today, Lord, to be in prayer. Lord, I've learned one thing over the years is as we invest in missions and ministry abroad, you teach us how to invest in missions locally too. So Lord, we're thankful that it helps in that regard as well. Lord, we pray today if you are speaking to a sinner by your Holy Spirit, you would save them today by your amazing grace. And Lord, for the one who says, Lord, I need to forgive someone, Lord, I pray that they would be able to do that today as well. And we pray all these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. I'll ask you if you will, if you'll stand as we sing our invitation. And those who might want to just gather around the altar to pray, we certainly will invite you to do that, uh, to come and pray. Maybe the Lord is speaking to you. What I'm going to do here in just a moment uh, is I'm gonna, we're going to sing two verses of Great is Thy Faithfulness. I'm going to come down front, and any deacons that might be on hand who, who has, if somebody comes up to pray, if you could help, if you could help come and pray as well. Um, and uh, we're going to do that in a moment. If the Lord is dealing with you today, you just simply want to come down and thank the Lord for what He is doing in your life in the life of others, I'll invite you to come and pray. However the Lord is leading you, we're just ask, asking you, just mean business with God today. Great is thy faithfulness. Let's stand. We're page 139 in your hymnal. The words are on the screen.